2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleMomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, September the 11th, 2022. I'm joined, as always... To my immediate south by Chris Gullo And to my far east by Jesse Collings Hello to you both Good morning Hello Brandon and Good morning. Hello um, we, uh, we, We've got uh, some, some contentious comments in, in YouTube comments already uh, Rangar pointing out that neither of you could, could manage a target uh, I, I can't debate I can't, could not debate that I would not I said, want to
1: manage a Target. Yeah, out of all the people who are disrespected in that CM Punk presser, managers at Target perhaps the most. That's yeah. like, man, managing a Target now with um, supply chain issues during, throughout the pandemic, you've got short staffing Employment staffed issues. Yeah, yeah like, what a, that's a challenge, man. Do you, do you have any
0: idea how many people Target employs in the Midwest region, especially, I'm sure? Like oh, off no. the top
1: of my head, I'm sure it's tens of thousands of people.
3: They were based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? Heartland of America. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Golo,
0: you've you've been looking at the slides all morning. I've I've seen your your red dot in the Google, Google slides. So, what are we talking <laughs> about today?
3: Yeah, so we're actually going to discuss uh, AEW's All Out pay per view as far as buys. How it kind of compares to not only last year's All Out, but we'll look at estimated pay per view buys uh, c- comparisons to. The last couple of years, and is there a trend uh, starting to become afoot? We'll also uh, discuss WWE financial outlook and a price target for their stock. But as you'll see, the disclaimer when we go in the slide, this is not financial advice. <laughs> we are just analyzing what we know.
0: Um, yes. Uh, Gull interjecting a lot of his own analysis there. That was impressive. Um, <laughs> the Bills won on. Thursday. Yes. Bills defeated the Super Bowl champion Rams, which I believe technically, if if we're going by sort of the pro, pro wrestling King of the Mountain style, uh, that that makes the Bills
3: the pro wrestling champions, doesn't it? I mean, you know, kind of, but this was a, this a house show. Okay. Total doesn't change house shows. Okay. <laughs> um
0: Bills don't play the Patriots until the very end of the season. I was looking at the, the the schedule. Of course they play twice because they're in the same division, but not until way the end of the season, so we'll have tension uh in a in a few months, but but not soon. I I have nothing against the Bill fans. The Dolphins? The Bills fans. Well, we have something Dolphins? against
1: the Patriots, so sorry. Yeah, it's, a, it's no, I understand, but it's not a two way it's not a two way street. I was, no, I don't yeah Yeah I Patriots was Patriots fans don't hate us. I was in a Binghamton, New York, a couple of years ago, uh, a couple exactly a couple of years ago because it was the first Sunday of the NFL season. I was with my buddy who's living out there, and we stopped at Walmart, um, and I got uh We were buying just some alcohol, and there was like a guy in front of us, and he had like two hundred and fifty dollars worth of groceries, and he let buying isopropyl he, alcohol seventy percent or ninety percent, <laughs> and he got. Um, I'm a twisted T man personally, but the um he let us in front he's like oh you're just buying alcohol and i was wearing a patriots jersey and when i went in front of him and he saw i was wearing a patriots jersey and he says i wouldn't know if you i wouldn't have let you pass if i knew you were a patriots fan it's like oh <laughs> i got nothing against you bills fans and then he threatened me and said you will when we turn the tables on you in a oh few years God. and i was like ah, that's funny bills fans Binghamton is if- not close to Buffalo.
0: It's like a three, three and a half. Hour yeah, but the yeah. people are Bills fans. I'm okay. just saying that that uh, makes, it's a split
3: fan source. base makes the point. Yeah, split between what, like Eagles, Bills, and Giants, Giants. Yeah, okay. big Giant fan base in Binghamton. Yeah, there's some Jets, but okay. Uh,
0: anyway, NFL season has begun on Thursday, but most would be on today. Uh, if you want to do a super chat. And if you want to submit your question or if you just want to uh, uh, get a rise out of Gullo and Jesse, maybe, uh, you can always hit the super chat button.
2: Uh, we, that's we, should sign. Sh-
1: we should only focus on the the uh, monetized super chats uh, between me and Gullo. We, sh- we got to start drawing money with this feud, but with uh, super chats. Yes.
3: There is two people that fuel it. There's one that seems to be pro-Jesse and one that seems to be pro-Gullo. Uh, Tim B. Uh, is is Team Jesse, and uh, Ragnar is Team Gullo. I've, I've not yeah, noticed. we need a
1: let's go, rival let's go chance. <laughs>
3: okay. Uh, There's going to be some CM Punk
1: and uh,
0: various other drama today. But um, pay-per-view buys. We have pay-per-view buys, an early estimate. I've been investigating this also. But Dave Meltzer has reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that came out on Friday morning. He's putting it, early estimate, at 135,000. 135,000 to 142,000. The median of that is 138,500. We've put it on the chart here just around to, to the nearest 1,139. It's important to keep in mind that especially, uh, I mean, digital sales are pretty much known immediately. However, the, the traditional pay-per-view sales on cable and satellite take months to finalize, I understand. Double or nothing is not even finalized yet from May. So this could change. There's, of course, late buys that are involved. Um, but this is what we're looking at here on the screen for people watching on YouTube is the historical record so far of the, I don't know how many 14 or so pay-per-views there's been for AEW and its history so far. Um, some of these I have changed based on my updated beliefs of of what the AEW pay-per-views are. Uh, we, can, we can get into that. But 139, let's call it just for shorthand, again, that could change somewhere in the range of 135 and 142 I believe to be in the ballpark um, that would be the lowest discounting forbidden door if we look at what are the you know the four annual so far traditional AW pay-per-views revolution double or nothing all out in full gear um, this would be higher than full gear November but it would be lower than either revolution or double or nothing and it would be higher than Forbidden Door. Put Forbidden Door at about 127. Put Double or Nothing at about 155. Put Revolution at about 175. Um, Tony Khan said at the scrum that he thought that All Out pay revise would end up similar to Double or Nothing, uh, looking like it's probably going to be under. And of course, it's going to be well under the record All Out 2021. The last time we talked about pay per buys for All Out 2021, they were, I, I said that I estimated that they were 205,000 buys. I'm changing this to 215,000 buys uh, for reasons including uh, I understand there were a lot of late buys this past weekend for All Out 2021. Maybe people were confused, thought they were buying uh, All Out 2022. I don't know. But there were a lot of late buys recently uh, for All Out last year. So pushing that up a bit. Um, any thoughts before we go further here about this number? Is this a good number? Is this a bad number? I can have an opinion, too. But what do, what do you guys think?
1: I think it's a bad number. Um, mm-hmm. I think Why? it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, so it, I think everyone expected that I wasn't going to be able to do the number that the previous All Out did. So I don't see that not living up to – falling well short of last year's All Out isn't that concerning at all to me. Right. But coming up short of your previous pay-per-views, Double or Nothing, Revolution, Full Gear, I think that should be a little bit cause for concern in addition to some of the um, – ratings declines that you've seen kind of over the last few months, which would indicate lesser interest in the AW product and is reflected in this all out number. Um, I just think, I think you can look and I think we can look back and see that the kind of, uh, alternative strategy to build this pay-per-view, which has, which was to do a very quick kind of series of matches between punk and Moxley and turn it around quickly. Maybe didn't capture the imagination of the fan base, the way that some of the previous pay-per-view builds had, I think you can look and say that there wasn't maybe like a number two or number three marquee match that um, maybe some of these other pay-per-views had had before for instance, like the Revolution number, which is very big, you had not only a world title match, but you also had things like the CM Punk and MJF feud, which felt really hot at the time. It didn't really get a sense that outside of Punk and Moxley, there was another match on the show that felt like it would have a big appeal. Um, what would so you felt call the more- number two match on this pay-per-view? I would probably say the uh, trio's tag title match. Maybe Jericho and yeah. Danielson. Jericho and Danielson by name value would be, but if yeah. you watched that match, the crowd was not into that match at all for the most, to like a shocking degree considering the star power that was in it. So I'd I'd go with the trios title. I just didn't think maybe that was lacking. Um, so I think there was, you know, the, those are the things that, that, um, that happened. I think the, the, you know, Moxley beating Punk in the quick squash match and then running the match back, you know, 10 days later, I think I I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was different for a pay-per-view build, but I can also see perhaps more casual fans I don't want to say being confused by it, but not being enthused by it and having a hard time understanding why they easily were
0: confused, you know that.
1: I don't want to say that because I know that's not really true, but I did I got enough feedback from what I would call casual fans. Um, just it was a it, very late announcement to make this match official yeah, for the page. Just anecdotally, I think the late announcement and the late build and the uncertainty around the main event perhaps presented a product that came across as being thrown together at the last minute, which, for all we know, it could have been. Um, and that I think maybe cooled some people off on on the pay per view. In addition to some other factors, like I said, maybe not having the strongest build for secondary or, or third matches and. Um, I don't know. Maybe WWE running competition against them. Tony seemed to believe that at the presser, at least.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. I'm I'm dubious that it had a big effect. If these, if if WWE was still a mainly pay per view product for its PLEs on on Peacock, that would definitely be more of a factor. Um, he compared it to to the Jim Crockett and and WWF wars where they were. At times running events at the same time. One would be running on free TV or cable. Uh, the other would be running on pay per view. There are also instances, I believe, around Starcade 1987 where Vince strong armed pay per view carriers to not carry Starcade if they wanted to carry WrestleMania and gave them like Survivor Series in its place. Um, this was not that.
3: It's. Um, it's pl- go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, not to mention, AEW had the best. Time slot you would want to have on a holiday weekend, like usually Sunday nights, people are winding it down. They have their home, they have time to sit on their couches, all that. WWE was on Saturday at one o'clock in in the states Eastern Standard Time, and then uh, NXT pay per view was what like four, two or three it was one. Yeah, so like it's not like it was even close where somebody was like oh well, the WWE pay per views at four o'clock and then AEW is at eight. That's too much wrestling. It's not. It wasn't even like that.
0: Um, I think there's there's something to, okay, we we've put on a big pay-per-view that was whatever it was, four hours for Clash of the Castle, and then gave people something on Saturday afternoon that I'm sure had a much smaller audience. Um, there's a competition for time, even if it's not at the same time, uh, in the same weekend, that I think could decrease enthusiasm, uh, but not to the degree that it makes a huge difference. You're not to the degree that I think that it makes this number going from disappointing to being pretty good, right? Um, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I don't think it makes it a difference in the degree to which you're happy or unhappy with these ex- with you know the expectations around this pay per view. Um,
1: yeah, I think I think there could be an impact that's kind of related to this, but not directly, and we'll t- we might talk about that later. Is WWE has won some fans back recently. I don't know if they necessarily won them directly back from AEW, but I think there definitely is a portion of the fans who were... Big WWE fans had been burned off by the product, switched to being more into AEW, but now that there's momentum on WWE's side and the optics that the WWE promotion is now much better than it was thanks to Triple H being in charge, that those fans are now cooler on AEW because they're not they're getting they're, they're getting satisfied by the WWE product in a way that they weren't before. And that maybe does lead them to being like, "Well, I'm going to definitely watch this WWE pay-per-view on Saturday because it's a big show with a lot of momentum to mm-hmm. me as a fan. Maybe I'm not going to plunk down the $50 and watch um all out and maybe if this was Vince was still in charge and WWE kind of ha- didn't have this little resurgence that they've had over the last few months, they would have just skipped Clash of the Castle, or they would have been less committed to it, and they'd be more enthusiastic about, yeah, I need to get my wrestling fix this week. I'm going to watch this AEW pay per view because it feels like it's going to be the most exciting show of the weekend. I think there's maybe some more passive um, cooling on AEW's product related to WWE's product being uh, satisfying its its core fan base more.
3: I think the biggest thing with WWE disinterest the last few years before Triple H took over was, you know, not listening to the fans, a disconnection with the fans. And I think it'd be fair to say that AEW starting to have that. We're having a rematch. The with the fans. Yeah, we're having a rematch. We're having, I mean, you know, there was a lot of fan service with the signings. I'm sure AEW fans wanted Johnny Gargano there. It didn't happen. Uh, you know, I think fans wanted MJF a lot sooner. Yeah, he's here now but you know there could be someone said that maybe he should have popped up at the end of that dynamite to lead into an all-out match against steam uh against uh john moxley for the title or cm punk wherever it might be
0: i I think it's the i think there's there's room for both an AEW and and for a W. I think there's room for two major wrestling companies that are on major tv platforms in this economy and uh, entertainment space um but the better WWE is, the the less useful an alternative product is. Um, like I said a few weeks ago, WWE not being bad ruins a lot of business models. Uh, so it, it just it makes the the function of AEW less. It makes the, the the value of AEW less valuable. If WWE, which is by far the leader in terms of brand recognition in terms of revenue, the better WWE is, the less valuable. The less attractive and the less needed, AEW is. Doesn't mean AEW is necessarily going to disappear over time, but it it means that I think the ceiling for AEW's growth is lower. Uh, if W continues to be continues to win win back fans and continues to produce what is at least perceived as a strong product, um,
1: there. This is different than my mentality. Um, so sometimes it's it's i don't fully necessarily understand it but there definitely is a segment of regular AEW fans who didn't want an alternative wrestling product from WWE they just wanted WWE to be better and so they were watching AEW because WWE was bad but those fans are not necessarily loyal to a independent second party wrestling brand they really just want good wrestling so if they feel like WWE is getting it together and servicing them they don't really necessarily have like a long-term loyalty to supporting the AEW brand they don't feel like they have to watch it every week if they feel like they're being satisfied by WWE Um, there's definitely a portion of the fan base that is and a huge portion that is I love AEW and I'm gonna watch AEW all the time and it doesn't really matter what WWE is doing but there is a segment of the fan base I feel like that AEW has attracted that isn't necessarily loyal to the brand the way that they might be loyal to WWE. Yeah. Um if we look at just the revenue
2: that
0: that these pay-per-view events for AEW has has generated this is on the level uh AEW I'm sorry all out is on the level of what these pay-per-views have done lately uh despite having a lower projected early estimate on on buys. Um again none of this At least the pay-per-view revenue is final. The ticket sales and merchandise sales, I imagine, are final. Um, But mainly All Out had a higher ticket price than some of these events further back in history. Um, We're estimating a over $1 million gate, which is in line with the last 2 AW pay pay-per-views. If you looked at the the ticket prices on Ticketmaster uh, leading up to the event... The cheapest ticket was, I believe, eighty dollars. Uh, so, it's very realistic that you know eight thousand five hundred people paid could have generated a little over a million dollars, which is what Tony Khan has, has said on Twitter that it was a million dollar gate. Um, and then, venue merch is basically based on somewhere between a fifteen and twenty dollar venue merch per capita, um, which I think is. Reasonable, maybe even conservative based on what we know about uh, what WrestleMania did last year, which is something like $30 per head. Um, so there's that. Similar money, especially going back in history, you know, that this record breaking all out of 2021 last year likely had a much smaller gate. You know, we're estimating here $630,000 just because the ticket prices were, were lower in the same venue. Uh, and they've they've caught their ticket prices up with demand of late um, so there's all that um, anything else we, we need to say here about the the all out pay per view buys um, what are they gonna Is I guess we're, we're definitely at this point and we've been saying this for months that you know yes all of these pay per views by their given names are doing better year over year than the one before it uh, that's coming to an end with this pay per view all out it definitely did Uh, Is full gear going to be able to do better than the full gear of last year, which we have here at 155? I mean, that's very questionable. Um, And it's very questionable, you know, what are they going to be able to put on the card? And, you know, is CM Punk going to be around anymore, their biggest draw? I I think it's, you know, this is WrestleNomics where I think people expect us to know the answers to some things that we don't always have uh, clear answers to, but I feel like we do have a pretty clear answer to who's the biggest draw, who has been the biggest driver last year for AEW? Easily, it's CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk's. We'll, we'll, we might as well get into it. CM Punk is um, injured. Not only is he suspended, but he's also injured. Um, that is according to. Uh, he's injured according to Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, uh, with a torn muscle of some sort. Maybe it's a triceps. Maybe it's something else. Um, but the list of people who are suspended. From AEW, as a result of the legitimate backstage fight, um, CM Punk, The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick, Kenny Omega, Brandon Cutler, Ace Steele, Christopher Daniels, Pat Buck, Michael Nakazawa, all suspended, according to The Observer. Uh, This is pending an investigation. I don't know if they're suspended with pay, without pay, but it's pending an investigation from AEW's general counsel, Chris Peck tony khan came out uh, on on dynamite in, in video uh in buffalo and said that the world title and the trios title those titles are vacated those titles had just been won by cm punk and by the elite respectively uh, on the pay-per-view that we just were talking about where we said that those were the two biggest matches on the pay-per-view perhaps um those titles are now vacated those title wins are basically invalidated. Um, and the world title tournament started on dynamite that will be final at the uh, Arthur Ashe stadium for grand slam on September 21st. There's a discount code going around for uh, discounted tickets to Arthur Ashe stadium. Um, they've got about 10,000 out, I believe as a last count from Russell ticks. So they put about 20,000 in there last year. So we're about halfway with only 10 days to go here. Um, on Wednesday, the day of Dynamite, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley led a talent meeting. We discussed this somewhat on Wednesday in our our special uh, audio that we've been doing for patrons. That Tony Khan was booed in Buffalo. I don't did, Thursday did we that did come? it. Yeah, Thursday. Excuse me, Jesse. Did that come across on TV that that Tony was booed
1: when he was on screen? You could definitely hear the boos. As a viewer, it was hard for me to tell what people were booing for. Were they booing? because they saw Tony Khan and they didn't like Tony Khan, were they booing because they announced that CM Punk was being stripped of the title, essentially. Um, it, you could definitely hear boos. It was hard, but it was hard, I guess, as a viewer, to deter- to, to know what people were booing specifically. Mm-hmm. But you could definitely hear them. I think partly at least they were booing him, as confirmed by his
0: later appearances. In, so he was just on video here, of course. But then he came out in person on the, 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 the ramp stage uh, between Rampage and Dynamite. When the, the the setups were changing a little bit, he came out on the microphone and um, Golo and I weren't sitting together, but we were both in the arena. And uh, I, I think we I, I questioned Golo on Thursday in a way that, that I tried not to be leading, but I think we both agreed that he was booed in that instance. And then he came out at the end of the taping, after Rampage, after the Cesaro, yep. Cesaro, after the, I'm, I'm J.R. here, after the Claudio Castagnoli and Dax Harwood match, he came out again, and it wasn't quite as much, it wasn't like unanimously booed, but it was mixed. And, you know, I understand he does this all the time, coming out between the taping setup,
1: and, you know, just hypes up the crowd, and he's not booed. No, he's very. I've I've been to enough dynamites where he's done that, and he's very popular. He gets like some of the biggest reactions on the show is when he comes out. Um, And he'll do that multiple times. Like, he'll come out before dynamite, after dynamite, before rampage, after rampage. Like, um, so him getting booed in that instance is a really big change for him. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. What does that mean? Do you think the booze come from. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it comes from him allowing what? happen on, happen on sunday night or does it come from maybe I, how defensive he was in his wwe comments i, I don't think wwe comments so No, that. it's not the WWE. that would be against i think
1: people yeah, cheer but... every single time someone knocks wwe <laughs> I, I would say because there were also a lot of boos and a very mixed reaction to hangman page and so my guess would be that there are a good amount of people in that are, have bought tickets to that show and are big AEW fans for CM Punk. And even though like, I think CM Punk was unprofessional, I think CM Punk should be suspended. I think he should be sure for the title. There are a lot of people there that are going to take his side and side with him. And, I, and that was the impression that I got, was that um, those are primarily CM Punk fans and they're not happy with Tony um, and not happy with the company. And I think that was also reflected in Hangman Page, who is pretty universally... Popular um, with the fan base up until a few days ago getting a very mixed reaction and getting booed not just like Brian Danielson was getting cheered more than him but getting legitimate boos and you could hear them on television so my impression is that there is a portion of the fan base that is very upset with how this entire CM Punk scandal or not scandal but this entire CM Punk situation has been handled and Tony is catching blame for that I don't think the wwe comments i mean it's not like i think tony's mismanaged this situation from like a personality perspective at least at least from the information that i have which is obviously going to be less than than all the information that he has but like i would never think to to boo him like i'm really mad at him and i'm frustrated with him it's it's i guess that's not how i would react in that situation
0: um yeah i think there's there's just one sign that i did take a picture of somebody somebody put up a sign that the evps needed reality check (laughs) which i think is just you know it's that's one anecdote but that's maybe a sample of some some wider sentiment that we're not hearing as much i think the consensus in wrestling media and the twitter tweet you know the tweets that i see is people
1: are not you know favorable towards cm punk here he has uh he has turned heel here uh but well, he yelled at all of them and told them, uh, they all everyone, everyone in media is doing a bad job." So, I mean, okay.
0: he, uh, he 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 said, "You know, if you're part of that, f you. If not, I apologize." You know, so I I, I took him as apologizing to me in that moment. Um, to, um.
3: Well, by the way, if you want so, some entertainment, go to the Mindy's Bakery reviews. <laughs> I
2: saw
0: those yeah, I saw
3: you those. Okay. <laughs> N- 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 this I, bakery is the
0: the Chicago bakery that CM Punk was eating cupcakes from and was recommending I, as he was I,
1: I was thinking that if wrestling was more mainstream everyone, If wrestling was more mainstream there's an excellent Saturday Night Live style skit to be made out of the CM yeah. Punk press conference. You could have someone else talking, another celebrity talking about something, but they're doing this CM Punk thing and they're progressively eating more and more food. Like they start out just eating (laughs) M&M and by the time they're eating like a full, like one of those giant six foot ham sandwiches and they're ripping everyone. And I mean, in in hindsight, when it was live, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm watching this. But in hindsight, it's going to end up being very funny.
0: I, ironically enough, you remember those art of wrestling cartoons where they would take like excerpts from Cole Cabana's podcast, like the, um, you know, the great power Udi story that, that Doc Gallows, Luke Gallows, whatever his name was at the time. And somebody made like a cartoon with, you know, using the the audio of them telling the story. And uh, you can make a great cartoon, my point is, to not only the scrum, but, you know, the moment that everyone has imagined and no one has seen with their own eyes except for the people who are present that the fight that happens afterward. Um, I think I, the I, line, Idea for a cartoonist out there.
3: Well, I think I'm the line, I'm hurt, I'm old, I'm tired, and I work with F and children needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because I, I know people, maybe myself, have been in that position at one point
1: where you felt like that. Um, you know who probably thinks like that? The managers at Target.
3: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes, yep. Yeah.
0: There's an idea for, for PWTs. Because I think you could put that, you just put those words on on a t-shirt and you're not violating anybody's IP, I think. Mm. Uh, so there, there's an idea. You you have a PWT store, I heard, Chris Gellar. I do,
1: yeah.
3: will <laughs> come to the Chris Gello store.
1: Yeah. Free idea. Um, there was, um, uh, just like, to, to finish up kind of on Punk and just, again, like the fan base reaction to him, we can look at the numbers. CM Punk brought people to AEW. You can look at the pay-per-view rep. You know, that, that all out pay per view buy number, the the, the growth in pay per view buys, the growth in television ratings that was sustained for, for months after he redebuted in the company. Um so him being even even just even if he comes back, but him just being off television for, you know, eight or nine months, that's a huge blow to AEW, both in their ability to um, you know, sell pay per views. You know, he's not gonna have a match at full gear. So What else is going to be on that show? Like, what kind of big matches are you going to do? Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, Brandon, a question uh, about AEW's pay-per-view buys. Now that we are a few years into AEW's pay-per-view cycles and we've had multiple years of each show, AEW doesn't have that kind of WrestleMania-level show, that big kind of super show that they uh, kind of blow everything out for. Um, you could say like Double or Nothing is kind of the biggest each year or maybe you could say All Out because there's more history there. But it seems like the pay-per-views are all treated kind of equally from a booking perspective. Do you think that just, uh, that has to be something that has to happen because there's only four each year so you kind of have to go All Out? I guess there's five with Forbidden Door now, but that's kind of like something where every show has to be treated like it's WrestleMania because you only have four a year. Or do you think, that they would almost be better off kind of establishing one big show as the biggest show of the year. Um, and how would you even do that? Like, are there just certain matches you'd have to hold off from showing either on television or on any of these other pay-per-views to hype them up? Cause obviously I think the WrestleMania brand value is he- enormous for WWE at this point. It really probably helps them sell things like their deal to Peacock um, and to a lesser extent, events like the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam and Survivor Series because they have that kind of name value. But AEW seems to be not as focused on establishing one of their shows as truly the biggest show of the year for them. They'd rather have four or five really big shows that are all relative equals. But do you think that's a better kind of business strategy? What are your kind of thoughts on that kind of um, idea behind building the different brand identities behind your pay-per-views? Yeah. I, I think if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago or definitely – couple
0: months ago before the Vince you know, scandal came out that I think there's an opportunity eventually for them to do a, a big stadium show. Dude, I know Arthur Ashe is a stadium, but it's a 20,000-seat stadium. There's an opportunity for them to do a football. I'm sure it'll be at, at the Jaguar Stadium. Uh, but there's an opportunity for them to do a football stadium-sized show at some point down the road. If you had asked me a few months ago, um, because AEW was being led by Vince McMahon and the, the creative was, and that was going to cause W to continue to weaken or at least con- allow a, a, an opportunity for uh, a competitor to be strongly present over time. And I think there was an opportunity for, for AEW to do a big stadium show and whatever pay-per-view they chose to do that as, imagine it might not be all out maybe because of the football season alignment. But anyway, there was an opportunity for them to do – for the first time to do this big stadium show that would have at least on on the scale of a venue been comparable to WrestleMania and that would have been a big deal. Um, I don't see that in the near future. I don't see an opportunity for that in the near future. They're struggling to to sell – more than ten thousand, they have probably sold more than ten thousand tickets or somewhere around that for arthur ash but i i can't see them filling a stadium right now even though i think there's part of the draw there just like part of the draw was for all in back in 2018 part of the draw is just to be there present for the history of it um i think we've seen other examples of, of that where like history was part of the
1: draw including the msg show with new japan ring of honor but anyway oh, look, i mean that clash like, that, that clash of the castle show that wwe just ran that's a history show That's not a card that specifically draws 60,000 people or or 48,000, whatever number you want to use. That is – this is the first major pay-per-view we are having in the UK in over 30 years or or exactly 30 years. Um, Yeah, I I think I'd be there.
0: Some of these pay-per-views that we're looking at on the screen probably could have sold – a, a large portion of the stadium, you know, that All Out 2021 show with CM Punk's first match, they could have put it in, in this, this, some stadium in, in Chicago or, you know, does Comiskey Park still still stand? Um, mm. But I think there was an opportunity to do a major stadium show and to create this huge brand event and to really establish one of these pay-per-view brands or a new pay-per-view brand as their huge annual marquee event. Um, I don't think the m- momentum is there right now to do that in the
1: foreseeable future. They and part of it gain is... Gain the
0: momentum later and make that happen
1: but I don't see it soon. And part of it is the first time they go into markets, they always sell really well. And so I think we talked about this with the Toronto show, that could have been a show that potentially your first debut show in Toronto could have been a potential stadium show, especially if you went through the effort to make it like a pay-per-view show. I would say that their best bet now would be their London debut or their UK the, debut.
3: I was gonna say, yeah, them in in the Fulham Stadium would the probably Fulham be a big Stadium,
1: deal. The Fulham Stadium is not particularly larger than I think, like Arthur Ashe. The Craven Cottage is not. Somewhere yeah, Craven way, Cottage but, is not that big. I would say I have, it's being renovated at the moment. I don't know if the renovations are complete, but I would say there are ten. There, they probably maybe twenty five thousand seats. Twenty five for mm-hmm. soccer. I'm guessing. It's yeah. Quick
3: so you can maybe do. I would or, think that would be the first place, though.
1: I mean they the own UK. it. They own they own the no. they own the building. Um so and and look that would be a big show, would be a big deal. Um it's not the NFL sized stadium. Of course with things like SummerSlam and the Royal Rumble, WWE's been running these stadiums that they're you know SummerSlam had what 40,000 fans. I forget the attendance, but you know they ran an NFL Five. stadium and yeah, they didn't they ran an NFL stadium. They didn't sell 70,000 tickets. But it still looked impressive through the way they shot it and everything like that, and gave off the impression it was this big stadium show, and was certainly bigger than, you know, if they were in better off than if they were they to run a traditional sized arena. So I don't think you don't have to draw seventy thousand people or WrestleMania sized crowd. I think to make a stadium show very successful. I don't I actually disagree with you, Brandon. I don't think they would run in Jacksonville. Um, even though obviously they own that stadium, I just don't know if Jacksonville is the market that you would wanna you would feel comfortable running a stadium in because it's not a enormous market. It's not a particularly awesome place to fly into and stay overnight. I know they hosted the Super Bowl one year and it was considered a big disaster because they didn't have the hotels and kind of infrastructure. Um, that was a while ago. That was probably like 20 years ago. So maybe it's improved since then. But I would say like Soldier Field would be a better bet than than the, than the Jacksonville Stadium. But Bears still play at Soldier Field. They do at the moment, yes. Okay.
3: They're well, talking it's a new it. Soldier Field that they're – Get a new stadium, yeah. They're going to get another new stadium now. In the suburbs. But Soldier Field, obviously, which is like – I believe
1: Soldier Field is the smallest NFL stadium. I think it only has like 60,000 seats. But it would be – that would be a market you look at. MetLife, I have no idea. Yeah, MetLife. Maybe that one's probably re- – that might be really expensive to rent. Um, you could look at a baseball stadium, something like um, Wrigley Field, which is probably expensive or uh, – Whatever the U.S. Cellular Comiskey Park, whatever the uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, is that it? Um, whatever the the White Sox Stadium is in Chicago could be another option. Yeah. What
3: about the Brave Stadium in Atlanta? You know, I know they, uh, they, the they haven't Cobb gone a lot, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Atlanta, like, yeah. That's I mean, that's an option. You're looking at like maybe like a thirty thousand seat stadium or something like that would be. Hey, Fenway Park. I'd love it if it was at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Someone would jump be... off the Green Monster. Anyway. Darby Allen would jump off the Green Monster for sure. Um, but that would be certainly a unique venue. There hasn't been wrestling there in 50 years. Um, although there used to be at one point wrestling there all the time. At Fenway uh, Park? Oh yeah. yeah. The WWF, WWF used to run there. There's a, there was a famous Bruno San Martino-Killer Kowalski match in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go back even further, things like Dano O'Mahoney in the 1930s, when Boston was like the biggest wrestling market in the world, they used to run at Fenway Park and Braves Field um, all the time, uh, stadium shows. So, um, selfishly, you know I'd I mean, like that one. But maybe most likely
0: would be would Ring of Honor in, in 2016 SummerSlam weekend. Ring of Honor ran a Brooklyn Stadium baseball field. Is it, that E-ball the stadium? Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: Impact. The to that whole thing would – yeah, impacted that whole thing where they ran a lot of minor league baseball stadiums. They were here in Buffalo. Yeah, you, yeah you I've know. never been to one of the shows. I can't imagine like the of
2: the, the home of the ballpark. Awesome. Brawl. You don't
0: need to remind us that you can do wrestling in a baseball stadium. Anyway.
2: <laughs> um. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
0: Um so I just want to talk briefly about this, um after having like a week now. Yeah, you know, just, just a little over a week now to, to think about this and reflect on it. Like I I I find um Punk's promo. His his pipe bomb promo, his which is a two thousand eleven, his podcast interview with, with Col Cabana after leaving WWE after being silent for months, finally breaking his silence on Col Cabana's podcast. Um those two things and then this outburst in at at the scrum. Like I find these, these all these long speeches to be kind of like almost like novelistic in that, like they, they all seem to touch on a lot of things that are important in the wrestling business at the time. And, you know, the, the pipe bomb promo, I think had a lot to do with frustrations and it, it was sort of a leading indicator of frustrations with, with WWE as a company and frustrations with Vince in particular. And the art of wrestling podcast was, I think an even more detailed, Inventory of, of of those frustrations, and in the process of that, he really baby faced himself. I think you know he was already a hero to the hardcore wrestling fan. Um, and then he just didn't appear in wrestling for seven years before coming back to a you know coming to AEW. I so I have a Freudian slip saying coming back to AEW because I think it's hard to imagine there being an AEW without a CM Punk. You know, despite CM Punk not having. Much of anything to do with AEW for the first two years of its existence, um, and then I think you know this is kind of like the final chapter. This appearance at at the media scrum two two Sundays ago where you know he goes off on wrestling media's credibility the lack of transparency his grievance with the wrestling media his grievance with other wrestlers younger wrestlers not taking his advice um i believe others including wade keller have raised the similarities between punk in this moment and and bill watts in 1992 not you know not being aware of the ways in which the business may have changed and may have passed him by um so yeah, I, th- I think it's it's just a, a fascinating artifact, I guess. The, and you know, and I just sort of look at this thing as, by thing, I mean this appearance at the media scrum as being, you know, the last installment of this, where those other other moments, including the pipe bomb promo, really made him a babyface to the hardcore wrestling fans, has now at least with some people, you know, and there's still some people who, who maybe booed Tony Khan because they were unhappy that CM Punk was, you know, wasn't there, but there's, you know, a lot of people who are now heel on him in a, in a genuine way. Uh, and it's just a, it's just a fascinating look at the wrestling business.
1: Um, well, it's very, uh, it's very Shakespearean and kind of his, he, the, 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 the habits that his personality has presented to the public and how he has, no matter what, consistently fallen back on those kind of habits and that kind of personality. Um, I think like the, like a big difference is to difference between the pipe bomb promo and kind of what happened on Monday morning is uh, a kind of a fascinating difference in a, a, between WWE and AEW and also a kind of a telling focus on how unique WWE's relationship with its fan base has been where, when CM Punk cut the pipe bomb promo, getting on the microphone and saying WWE sucks super bad in a, to two WWE fans was a babyface move because the company had created this image of itself that it didn't like its fan base and that they were heels. And at any time, especially after Punk's pipe bomb promo, anyone said, this place sucks, people cheered, which is not how a wrestling company is supposed to operate. As opposed to AEW now, because the fan base Genuinely likes the, the promotion and likes the product that they're seeing. The sim- calling out AEW and saying this place sucks is not going to endear himself to that those fans the same way it did to WWE fans because AEW is a normal promotion where the fans that are paying there actually like the product as opposed to WWE, which existed in this weird world where the fans would pay the product, pay to watch the product, and be there every single week, but also fully admit that the product is bad and not nearly as good as it once was. Um, and so that 's a kind of an interesting difference between the two companies respective relationships with its own with their own fan bases and perhaps why c m punk 's criticisms have been met with different uh reactions but from those respective fan bases over the years yeah. i I want
0: to like draw like a straight line you can draw a line between the punk bomb pike bomb promo and the all out scrum and the The funny thing is between these two promos and then i I bring up the art of wrestling podcasts. Uh, that yeah. he did in between is that Colcabana is 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 sort of an off screen co star of all of this, right? There's there's the moment where he, where he looks at the, the camera and waves to Colcabana <laughs> in pipe bomb promo. Um, of course, the the interview is on Colcabana's podcast where he finally talks about his exit from WWE. And Scott Colton is is a major uh, subject of of conversation in, in the scrum, so.
3: Just so wanted to point that stuff out. Um, I think comparison wise, though, like yeah, the pipe bomb was what it was, but I think this and the Colt Cabana podcast have to be really comparable because I think it's when he just had kind of had enough with the company and he got fed up and felt like somebody was holding him back. Because yes, he talks about the medical stuff in the Colt Cabana podcast, but he also talks about Triple H holding him back a little bit and 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 politics and, and all that. And here it is, he's talking about EVPs politics and. And uh, and I wondered, is he having? Did he is he having conversations with Tony Khan before this? Is he having conversations with Vince McMahon before that happened, or does he just hold it all in and just unleash it all at one time?
0: I, I think the pipe bomb promo. There's an understanding that he's going to be, be be allowed to say basically whatever he wants. I think that McMahon is very agreeable to that. Um, I don't know anything, but I believe that Punk. Probably had some conversations with Tony before the scrum, letting him know that he was probably going to talk about Cabana. I imagine something along those lines happened. Um, somebody was it? I think it's Wade reported that Tony knew that he was going to say say something that something was going to happen, um, and Punk was telling people to you know to watch out for the, the presser or something like that. Um, I want to mention last week you were you were talking about you know your your experience as a as a corporate manager correct
3: yes yeah um,
0: what would happen if now the the people who susp- who are suspended again are I'm I do not have this in front of me I'm trying to do off the top of my head CM Punk the Young Bucks Kenny Omega Brandon Cutler Michael Nakazawa Pat Buck Christopher Daniels
3: who am I leaving out? Uh Pat Buck oh no yeah Pat Buck Christopher Nakazawa Cutler Daniel. And then yeah, and just the A Steel and, and Punk and a. Steel. and Kenny. Um. Any. Anyway. Um. These are these are
0: wrestlers, EVPs, yes, producers. I don't think they, they call them coaches, agents, whatever they are. Um. But these are employees, right? Um. I don't know about CM Punk, but most of these people are employees. Um. Which maybe changes the story. What would happen in, in your workplace or in one of your historical workplaces, Gullo, If if there was a fight between employees in
3: the workplace, on a date. Um. Of? I think there probably would be suspensions to do an investigation like they are doing, but uh, I would believe that anybody that threw punches at each other would be fired. Any any physical altercation. So if we were the reports to be true on this, CM Punk and A. Steel would be fired. Um, I haven't really reported anything that there was any physical confrontation from the Bucks or Kenny. There's even a report that Kenny and he got the dog out of the situation because he knew it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> there's you know Punk's dog Larry
0: um I don't I, have, I haven't been able to confirm whether or not Larry has been suspended yet or what what his status is but um or what if what if I were, you know, in your workplace, Gullo? There's a physical fight yes. among employees in your workplace, and maybe I had a strained relationship with one of the people who were involved here, or maybe I was sort of tangentially involved in, in this situation. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel safe here. I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm going to raise this to HR, or maybe there's a lawsuit to be had about an unsafe, you know, hostile working environment. Um, does that sound like, like it's something that could realistically happen?
3: I mean... I think before there was physical altercation, or might be, but, like, it all depends on whose side it's coming from. Like, can the can the Bucks and, and Kenny say that there was some hostility from Punk towards them? Absolutely. Because he was out in the public about it. He just has allegations about them talking to dirt sheet writers. They never physically really came out in badmouth Punk. There was the, the being the elite thing, but... The, the dirt sheets. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, dirt But, but dirt, yeah, but... He like, but CM Punk is out there publicly and all that, so I don't think CM Punk would have a case. I heard there was legal action being threatened from CM Punk's side from some of the reports, but I don't know. I don't know what he what case he would
0: have. Um, I, I just keep in mind that we we don't know necessarily who are employees, who are independent contractors. Uh Back in twenty eight, twenty nineteen, Chris Jericho. Was on, I believe Jesse Ventura's podcast, and he talked about how he he confirmed publicly that he is an employee. Uh, so he probably has like an, an independent contractor status. He has an employee status. Um, who knows who's an employee? I think, especially
3: when we're talking about the big stars in in AEW. Um, One thing I did want to bring up, and this might not be a big topic, but you know, we hear that they, you know, they share a lot of uh, staff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, they do. um uh, Mega the the attorney she's also for the jaguars and all that the general counsel
0: chris peck is also a jaguars yes.
3: employee as this company grows don't you think they should have their own staff especially uh, you know if there's going to be situations like this
0: perhaps i don't, like we're getting into like legal questions here yeah. and, and like I, i'm it's become increasingly noticeable to me how many how or how many people and assets are being shared between the Jaguars and an AEW, um, which raises. I, gu- I guess with being, not being a publicly traded company, maybe that's not a huge deal, but it you know it, it is conspicuous.
1: Um, right, and as the company was first getting off the ground, it makes sense for the infrastructure to be leaning on the jaguars and other and, and quickly i imagine
0: like that maybe this is one of the things that might start to change if they get a, a bigger tv deal and that they're trying to be really lean early maybe they get a really big tv deal next round which i think is, is something maybe we should discuss whether or not this affects the prospects of their tv deal but maybe they get a big tv deal and then maybe they start to invest more on, in, in their own assets and things like that
3: Um, the, you, as we're talking about, did Pong- you have
0: a, a point you wanted to, to finish, Jesse? Sorry, I could, could, oh, you,
3: sorry. cut you off. No, I was basically just backing up what
1: I said. Which, as the company has progressed over a few years, that eventually maybe they would develop their own infrastructure, and perhaps that's happened. Maybe that they maybe they've hired people on the Jaguars end to pick up the slack, where maybe people who were previously split between the Jaguars and AEW are spending more time in AEW. Um, for all we know, that could have happened. That I don't know mega preka has now there's someone else has stepped in to help what maybe responsibilities she would have with some of the Jaguar operations are now being handled by someone else. So she can be focused more on AEW.
3: Um, we have a few super chats about CM Punk. So might as well answer them while we're on the topic here. Uh, sure. we'll start with uh, a here Asked, uh, was Punk really that significant of a ratings draw?
0: Yes. Um, uh, we, we need to do another installment of uh, Who's a Draw covering the month of August. Yeah. Um, but if you're a patron, you can find the slides for our Who's a Draw analysis for April, May, June, July. Um, I, I hear some papers rustling. I don't know if Gallo is going to open up his, his tiny composition book. Um, but we saw a preponderance of examples for quarter hours in making all the adjustments, well, not all the adjustments that one could possibly make, but making as many adjustments that we, that we could possibly make uh, to make it as fair as possible. We saw many, many examples, more than anybody else in AEW, for the case that CM Punk makes a positive difference to ratings. We saw this supported in YouTube videos as well, his performance relative to others in AEW. Um, his web search relative to anybody else in AEW. Uh, and that's what I want to see, a preponderance, many examples over a long period of time that show this person really stands out as a positive difference maker. Um, there's v- very few people who, who we can really we can really say that about, at least in, over the, the course that we've been doing what, what I think we call talent analytics and what What other people call talent analytics um you know this is why it's much better to try to but it's difficult but it's much better to try to do this kind of analysis over a long period of time I tweet the quarter hours and people fly off the handle with all their opinions about what what this means about their favorite wrestler and, and what it proves about their least favorite wrestler um one week of quarters tells us often nothing tells us very little um And I think doing this kind of analysis over a long period of time, though, removes the doubt that is this was this an anomaly that the let's let's take the Moxley and Punk match from a few weeks ago. Right. The short match where the foot injury happens, whatever. Um, The rating went way up for their quarter and then went right back down after their quarter. That looks like the people involved in that quarter must have made a positive difference. So, So that's one week. But we can express some confidence that that that's not just an anomaly when we see a lot of examples over many weeks, many months. Um, again, we'll, we, we need to do a, a, who's a draw for the month of August. Now that we have that data behind us and we've done it for April, May, June, July. And would you, would you agree? I mean, we, we sort of take a tally at the end and say, who's stood out the most and CM Punk by far.
3: Yes. If he's on TV at all, he is number one. Uh, uh speaking of who's a draw we have another super chat here uh this is from uh and sorry if i mispronounce this uh Yashavaran, uh Shikawat, uh asking who is the bigger draw for their company roman or punk
0: um it's it's tough for us to say based on the data that we have because w and aw just exist on different scales um who is the bigger draw for their company on like a relative basis, like who's who provided more to to the vast landscape of their respective companies, I would probably lean towards saying Punk and AW over Roman Reigns in WWE. Um, but Roman Reigns is somebody who really stands out for WWE too, among the few who we can say genuinely stands out over that same course of time that we've been looking at this closely in a diligent way. I would say. Do you think Punk? Forward? Do
1: you think? Do you think I don't think Roman moves television ratings the way Punk yes, has yes, yes. to scale? Well, he, he, so? moves te-
0: no. he moves
3: television ratings. Yes. Okay. Do you do? You, do you, yeah, but when he's, he's been gone. off, what, and, all right. I don't think it's a huge difference when, when he's yes, his quarter hours are. Was pretty, he on SmackDown Friday? Good. But that's the thing. He's not always on SmackDown, and I guess SmackDown is underperforming under Raw. So,
1: was he on SmackDown Friday? But,
3: I don't think so. When SmackDown did its biggest number in a really long time. Yeah, I kept seeing pictures of Sami Zayn with the bloodline, so... It, it may be the case that
0: SmackDown does well without him, but there are definitely instances where, and many instances, where this quarter does better than this quarter usually does, and it's got Roman Reigns in the content. And it's not just like a one-off, but a, but a preponderance of those over time. And not just SmackDown, but in, in the times that he's been on Raw as well. There's that in the quarter hours and the TV ratings... And then there's also YouTube videos that sort of corroborate that in a lot of cases.
3: And then there's web search that corroborates that as well. But would you say that AEW needs CM Punk more than WWE needs Roman Reigns? I would say we're, 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 we're talking about a relative
0: yeah. question. Um, AEW, if, if you removed what's going to hurt worse, I guess, maybe, maybe as, a, as a way to phrase it, yeah. what would hurt worse, Punk leaving AEW? Or Roman Reigns leaving WWE um questions of morale aside let's imagine we're in this this morale utopia where, where CM Punk is is not impacting morale um I think Punk hurts Punk leaving AEW hurts more than Roman Reigns leaving WWE.
1: AEW as a business is in a much more volatile position than WWE. WWE is already this mon- this money-making machine that Will con- we'll, is probably going to see a significant rights increase even before the ratings have kind of turned around over the last few months. AEW is still trying to establish itself as a marquee television brand that is relatively competitive with WWE from a ratings perspective and would eventually want to require a relatively competitive space in the business realm. And so to that extent, I think CM Punk is, it would, is more valuable – to AEW than Reigns is to WWE just because WWE could easily continue on as a strong entity without Roman Reigns because they have such a long line of historically successful business practices as opposed to AEW, which is still trying to establish that identity.
0: Yeah, I mean, even that stuff aside that, yes, WWE is this really financially secure company that has a lot of guaranteed revenue sources. Um, Even if you could, I don't know, somehow adjust for that, I I would still say that Punk is punk leaving AW would hurt AEW more than Roman Reigns leaving W would hurt WWE, just on like a talent depth level. Does that make sense?
1: See, I almost disagree with that because Reigns is positioned at a level far beyond anyone else in WWE at the moment, at least on the main roster. Punk is the biggest star in AEW and has been presented as such, but not to such an extreme degree as Roman. There's if been you, a lot invested in Reigns in that. Who is headlining your big? If you can't get Brock back and you can't get Steve Austin to show up, who is headlining your big shows right now? If Roman Reigns just leaves the company. Dexter Loomis, um, Karrion Kross, you know. <laughs> so I think part of that, and, and we're also talking, when we're talking about this, we're talking about Reigns. Are we talking about immediately right now? Or are we talking about Reigns' last 10 years as an entity in WWE? Um, the declines that have happened in that company relative to his, related to his, the length of his push. I guess it's good that he's moving business now. Um, but in punk, obviously, we're talking about a year, exactly a year in AEW and what that means. Yeah. I don't, Roman
0: Reigns is a complicated figure, and like over the entire course of, of his on-screen career, there are a lot of questions that you could raise around opportunity cost in, in Vince McMahon's judgment and in making
3: the decisions that he made that relate to Roman Reigns. but. Oh, we got two more super chats regarding this. Sorry, it's a very popular right. topic. Oh, no, no, that's, that's uh, um, Tim B uh, has asked. Uh, punk has a tremendous case, in my opinion. The top boss sat there and didn't object. Then his underlings confronted Punk, going against the top boss. In my opinion, so
0: yeah, I was I was saying to somebody I don't know earlier in the week. Um, there's a point later in the in the press conference after the Punk stuff. Um, I think in the in the midst of his rant on on WWE. Where he's talking about he's, you know, I'm a nice guy, but I'll I'll fight if I have to. And he's saying so- something about his, you know, he's a he he he, he, he describes he's kind of describes his management style. And I wish I had the the, the quote um, that he's something about service. He likes to give people good service. And he was a bartender, and yeah. And I think you know, you, it's it's easy to to forget that Tony. To, well, yes, he has a lot of experience working for the Jaguars and working for full FC that he's only been in the wrestling business for about three years. And, um, um uh, among a locker room full of some of the biggest stars in wrestling who are all vying for their own influence, who have all have egos, who all have charisma and, and, and influence over their peers. And, uh, how uh chris call you're, you're rigging out. So you're, you're in locker rooms um somebody who hasn't been in the wrestling business for a long time even on the indie level uh in a locker room full of very experienced and, and and you know big eagle veterans um how uh how is that person with only like three years of experience in the business brother going to i don't know be be seated in the hierarchy of of a, of a wrestling locker room
3: they're going to be seen at a very lower level. There's the, oh, you haven't paid your dues, or, oh, you haven't experienced what we do, or, you know, oh, you don't you don't know how this works. So that person's not going to be seen in the same light as somebody that's been in the locker for 10, 15 years. Now, I mean, I think that's changing a little bit in wrestling. We've seen people be on AEW within two years of the business and all that. Uh, but, yeah, it was – it's – the way a, a traditional indie locker room is, it takes you a long time to have matches and then to yeah, have that. Yeah, to, to then be elevated in the mid-car, then to get the main event. <laughs> You've seen it, Brandon, so. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, yeah,
0: that said, I mean, I th- I think Tony's clearly a, a very smart wrestling fan, and he's ultimately the boss. He's ultimately the one who, who has the money that's making this promotion exist, and, and it was you know putting money in their direct deposits. But, um, and he, but he's, he himself, I think anybody who, who's had interactions with Tony can attest that he's, he's a unique and quirky personality and it's, it's easy to imagine other people, especially the bigger stars with the bigger egos, you know, think at least thinking that they can kind of do what they want. And that is at least exemplified in punk's behavior at that scrum sitting next to his boss you know, saying things that, may, be a, things that like may have been a Freudian slip work where he says, sitting next to Tony, I'm trying to run a business here. Like, <laughs> if you remove the fact that he's got a towel around his neck, he's got blood all over his face and, and bloody wrist tape on, and you, you would think that Punk was the CEO and, you know, Tony was like his assistant or deputy or something. Um, it must be very hard to manage all those personalities. Vince McMahon was effective at managing a lot of personalities just by his, you know, by having a long history in the business, by having a long history of success in the business, by, I don't know, by uh, being an, an, an iron fist over over his talent, uh, being, being willing, showing that he's willing to, you know, double-cross Bret Hart,
1: of all people, <laughs> uh, for example. Um, well, I kind of think, with, without directly commenting um in particular to tim b's comment because i understand what he's asking i think a lot just in general is being made of tony sitting there next to punk and like just kind of like slowly nodding his head i don't really take that as like an endorsement of what cm punk was saying or that khan is obviously going to side with punk in this fraction between the elite and punk um i thought he was a guy who was trying to figure out in real time why this guy was basically betraying his trust in saying all these things and trying to calculate what would be the better option to allow him to go and keep talking or to just like abruptly cut him off and like dismiss him from the press conference. Those were really his only two options and neither of them were good. I kind of think in hindsight, he should have done the latter, but I also understand like, he wasn't in a position. It wasn't like he put up CM Punk up there and knew exactly what CM Punk was going to say. and was like, you know, clapping along and nodding. Like, and he didn't know the physical fight was going to, no. And he didn't, obviously he didn't know that either. So I think I kind of, a lot is being made of like Tony Khan has endorsed CM Punk's viewpoints on the company and things like that. And he wanted, he's happy with what CM Punk said. I think that's far from the truth.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's easy to imagine him maybe not being able to command a room among people like Punk, the young bucks, Kenny Omega and others. Um, I, the, the the news, the reports that the talent meeting on Wednesday involved, you know, was led by people like Moxley, Jericho, and Brian Danielson is is encouraging. Those are the people who probably have the most credibility with that locker room.
3: So. Um, uh, and our last super chat regarding this uh, that we have so far, uh, Chris Elia, uh, Russell so contributor. Uh, I do not think that this has to be a situation where anyone gets fired. Uh, in in my article this month, uh, I explain how management is truly tested when stuff goes bad, not when everything is great. Chris Ely. Yes, we will. I will get to editing Chris, Doctor Chris, uh, Chris Ely's article soon. We'll have that up on russellannix Um uh, My thing is is gossip and bad mouthing and all that. That happens in every workplace. When it gets physical, then it's a different situation. But yet okay. you hear about all these WWE fights that happen backstage. Chris Jerker was in a lot of them. Here he is now being the leader of, hey, we shouldn't have this happen.
0: And what was the employment status of these people? They are independent uh, contractors.
1: What's the employment status of these people involved in this AEW fight? Their we employees. believe that most these of employees. them are employees. CM Punk might be the only one that's not. The um, I think, I mean, as far as the future goes, I think that Punk tearing his bicep or his tricep or whatever happened is a blessing in disguise in the sense that I, I thought you'd have to fire him immediately, and now I think the only reason you'd fire him is if the elite say you have to fire him or we're leaving, or there'd be a total locker room revolt if he's not fired. I think you he, take the title off him. He's off television. Let him heal up for nine months. If he runs his mouth during the time he's healing up, you can fire him. If you, But eventually, I think the best thing for probably everybody involved would be for the Punk to come back and work a program with Hangman Page. Realistically, the absolute best thing in a perfect world—that's what you would want to do. He's he's definitely got unfinished business with MJF too. Yeah, I mean, well, look, look. look, This—if he—if you can, if he can go away for nine months, everyone can chill out. You can work on, you know, mending the relationship over the next nine months between Punk and the aggrieved parties. You can hope that you can get back to business, which—and that seems to be all what CM Punk wants to do, right? Is he wants to help business, and he just wants to help make money, and he's trying to run a business here. Everything he said, um, the best thing for him to do would be to come back to AEW and work up a big program because if you can iron out all of these things, and it seems impossible right now, but if you can get these guys all on the same page, CM Punk coming back and going right into something with, with Hangman Page would be a massive program, something that can really boost – television ratings and pay-per-view buys and everything like that because people believe the feud is real now because it totally is. And that's something that has been proven in recent years to really draw a lot of interest and draw a lot of money.
3: Like my What was the uh, that... comment uh, that was made by a reporter from a WWE person? If they don't make money with this, they don't know what they're doing. Like, it, they should do um, like...
0: You're referring to a Fightful report.
3: So. Yeah, Fightful report. Yeah, I mean, CM Punk and FTR versus the Bucks and Omega would be a big deal at this point now. I will say that I, th- I have the impression that,
0: you know, he had problems at WWE, and it was easy, and I believe, you know, well, that, that must be just WWE. And yeah, he's a prickly guy, and he's a, he's a hard personality to deal with, sure. And he, and as he left WWE, it became more and more apparent that he was having falling falling outs with, with various friends. But now it's it's becoming more clear to me as an outside observer that, well, maybe... You know, you have you have problems here, you have problems with these people. Maybe you're the problem. And I don't I don't know that maybe there's a way that he could come back and on a on a short term basis or uh he's there once in a while, but it I think he has proven that if he is in a locker room continuously for a long time, eventually
3: he is a detriment to morale. And then uh Chris Healy just uh, he gave a super chat. I'm trying to run a business here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for your super chats. We, we have them all now? Yeah, we, we have them all. The CM Punk topic, very popular. Okay.
0: Um, that's it for now? I think we're, we're good. Um, okay, so if you have any other super chats, feel free to throw them in. We'll get to them. Um, we'll move on to our next topic. This is not financial advice. Uh, this is not financial advice. This is not investment research, nor should it be construed as such. Nonetheless, uh, none of us have W stock or positions of otherwise, in W stock, is that correct? Correct. Jesse, you're not a major, uh, you're, not, you're not a W investor?
1: Uh, I am not a WW investor. I don't have the money to invest.
0: Okay. Okay. Neither am I. I have never been. No plans to initiate any such positions. Uh, so I did a b- bunch of math. Uh, I'll write an article soon about this. W stock closed on Friday afternoon at $69.26. It has been climbing for a while. Um, We told you on February 11th when the stock price was about $56, $55.70 to be exact, that W was at least slightly undervalued, I said. Um, And then it has marched on towards $69 where it sits right now. Um, So my one year stock price target is $76, which is actually a little bit below the middle of the consensus at least according to what E-Trade tells me, which is, I think it's about $80, is the consensus. Um, so that's what I think the appropriate value, at least the appropriate value in a year is. Based on forward-looking adjusted oebda. I don't know anybody cares about that. Oh, here's the slide that shows us what the consensus of, of analysts uh, say. The high, the high is now Wolf Research, I believe, at $98. The low is probably Wells, Wells Fargo, Stephen Cahal, who doesn't like to be or uh, at least he he thinks it's overvalued. Um, he's at fifty dollars. The consensus, the average, is at eighty dollars, and I'm saying again seventy six dollars. So there's that. Um, moving on to the next thing, I guess we we can point out this just the the track record. Uh, I've been more accurate in 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 some quarters than the consensus uh, of analysts where we've been you know so this is way back in the in q2 2020 we were much closer as we understood that w was actually going to save a lot of money save a lot of expense uh, being the pc early on in the pandemic but for four straight quarters we were more accurate than the consensus of analysts uh the most recent quarter we were pretty pretty close we were both at about 56 55 cents uh for the eps what's an eps chris gallo he's
3: paying attention he's muted you're muted gallo he's still right. muted yeah. I'm going to mean it now. Uh, estimated. Uh, no.
0: No, it's right, on the, it's right on the screen.
3: Look at the top of the, I'm, top I'm of the old, slide. Oh, earnings per share.
0: <laughs> earnings per share. Very good. I don't know how you figured it out. Earnings. Yeah, I share. thought you were
3: <laughs> you were trying to throw, give me a hard question. That's why I didn't even think it would be right there. Earnings per share, just think of it as a weird measure of profit. It's the
0: net income divided by the number of basic shares. Um, so anyway, my forward-looking revenue estimate for WE I'm estimating for this year, the entire year of 2022, it's half over. They've reported two quarters so far. $1.3 billion. They reported just under $1.1 billion last year. So $1.1 billion or $1.3 billion, perhaps getting to almost $1.6 billion by 2025. Um, adjusted to WIBDA. What's adjusted to WIBDA?
3: That's uh, operation, operating income before depreciation and amortization. I always miss am- that am- wrong. Am- to what? Uh amortization,
0: <laughs> amortization, yes,
3: yes. Good. Uh, what is amortization? Do you know? Uh, I mean, that would is it like cost and, and aging and stuff like that? I believe it's when you, you take certain
0: uh, expenses and you spread them over time. That maybe maybe you pay for this one thing in a, in a, at a particular time, but it really it, it's it's helping you across the entire year. So you're amortizing it over the entire year. I think that's what it is. Um, anyway, um, what is what is adjusted Weibdov? Like explain to me to me like I'm five years old.
3: Uh, basically that is, it's the, it's the income that they need to operate before they pay everything out. It, so, or after, yeah, this, this, or so their income, this, I'm sorry, it's their gross I've, before they pay everybody out, right? Would that be like revenue? Um,
0: anyway, uh, just, uh, uh, a we uh, it's, it's a measure of profit. There's, there is no one profit metric. There are various profit metrics towards the final profit metric, which is net income. Um, there are gap measures, and then there are non-gap measures. There are measures that are generally accepted, generally accepted accounting principles. OEBDA is one, net income is one, EBITDA is one, adjusted OEBDA is not one. Adjusted OEBDA is W's preferred profit metric, where they can exclude certain things such as stock compensation and maybe just random other things that they want to exclude for the sake of comparability. It's basically them saying, I going to exclude some things out of this. we the number so that we can express to investors what we think is a fair comparison over time. Um, anyway, that's what the stock analysts use to, to make their pro to make their stock price targets. Um, I'm, 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 Estimating 370 million dollars in adjusted EBITDA for WBE in this year, which would be, you know, it's continuing to grow over time. Um, net income, which is the final measure of profit profitability, 207 million would be another record-breaking year, more than doubling what they were doing just, just a few years ago. So, a very profitable WBE that that should be news to to no regular Wrestleomics listener. Um, I think that's really all I have to to, to say here. Unless you guys want to want to raise something or. or or contribute something or ask me something.
1: No, just that. I think right when, when the ratings first kind of turned around and they sold a lot of tickets, like the Madison square garden show, a lot of it was assumed curious interest based on Vince stepping down and what's going to happen to WWE um, without Vince and what, you know, what are they going to announce? What's the first show going to look like that has kind of subsided, but they've sustained a lot of that momentum now, with maybe more of a consistent, we're starting to see a pattern of consistent interest in WWE as opposed to just curiosity sampling the product and seeing what it would be like without Vince I think there you'd have to be very happy so far with Triple H's performance in the sense that it seems like fans who have sampled the product and returned to the product out of curiosity are now at least back seemingly consistently in there. It seems like more of them are buying tickets to shows and all these other kind of, which means increased merch and dice revenue generally, um, which are all positives if you're a WWE stockholder. I think yeah. you're seeing that kind of reflected in these estimates.
0: I, sh- I should say the, these estimates are not really that influenced by like my, I yeah, my optimism about WWE's consumer interest it's so i there's a big spreadsheet, and this will be part of the the report when i when I post it um there's a lot of underlying metrics that drive things like live event revenue ticket sales uh merchandise sales and I didn't really bake in like big increases over time. This is merely just like here's what I understand about w business and this is what I understand is normal and this is what I think is gonna happen based on previous history and based on what I know about the future um so this isn't like. This, if, if Vince was still around, it's not like this would be way different. These these estimates, the product is is way different, and and I and I'm more optimistic about it. But as we know, W is such a is such a business that is driven by its business partnerships, especially from NBC Universal, Fox, and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, that a lot of this money is is very very reliable and it is guaranteed. Um, we're going to see in Q3. Probably a a a boost that wouldn't normally be there because of Clash of the Castle, um, in terms of live event revenue. Probably in terms of any merchandise, um, we're going to see something from maybe a few extra million dollars from the A and E series that were entirely in this quarter of Q three, um, and then we'll see next next quarter, of course. But you know, they're going back to Saudi Arabia for a fifty million dollar cash out.
1: Do you find? Do you think Clash of the Castle is any regular event going forward i I baked in
0: to the future a q3 event of
1: similar contribution yeah i think over time wwe has left a lot of money on the table not running major shows in some of their international uh locations where they're very popular i think in recent years you've seen them we saw the australia show which they haven't done again but was very successful at the time Mm -hmm. that they ran it um we've seen them draw really big House show attendance in some locales in Europe. I think they didn't. They have a really successful Paris house house show um, this earlier this year. I think you could see we could see an event hosted on continental Europe next year, if not another event in the UK. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I expected returns to be slightly diminished, but still probably. Yeah, I, I think this. It seems like I don't know if he's talked about it that much, but it seems like one of since Nick Khan has come aboard. One of the strategies, in addition to running more stadium shows, is to, I think, boost the kind of major international um, shows that you're, you're hosting. It's something that UFC does all the time. I think it's something as a global brand like WWE, you'd want to be able to say you, you are doing in a way that maybe the other sports leagues don't always do. I know that they do have successful international um, events in the NFL. They've done a couple in Major League Baseball, but it could also be something that could kind of differentiate you, which is like, hey, we've had major, you know, 60,000 seat uh, attendances on four different continents in the last few years. Yes. Um, Just checking on the Russell Tix records here. Paris on
0: April 30th, a house show, of course. 11,000, almost 12,000 mm-hmm. tickets distributed
1: according to Russell Ticks, which has got to be one of their biggest house shows of recent memory. Yeah. So I think. I think that should be a target for them. I think it's smart business. Like I think, like they waited a really long time to run a major pay per view in the UK, and I, they could have drawn the crowd that they drew a clash at the castle ten, fifteen years ago if they wanted to, but they they never did. Yeah. To slightly contradict myself, I, I did bake in like
0: based on looking at WrestleX numbers, you know, I think attendance is going to be somewhat better than it was. Um, not maybe not in last year's Q3, but it's going to be somewhat better than it was in recent quarters sequentially. Um, but I'm not like baking in big big increases in attendance, big increases in merchandise sales, or anything like that.
3: We should be getting next day air rights soon, right? Like this quarter. I got the, I got the like impression. News? I got
0: the impression that like, yeah, there was a question raised by I think Eric Handler uh, in, in the stock analyst Q and A that are you going to maybe roll that into live rights negotiations. And we talked about this after the fact, right? That like, yeah. it, it does make sense. Say you're talking to Amazon, uh, maybe, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a more reasonable offer to Amazon if you can give them next day and not just the live stream yeah. that goes away as soon as it broadcasts. Okay. Anything yeah, else? I'm good.
3: Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, I, I think we're good. Yeah. We got just, we got a super sticker from, uh, our, uh, our friend Urka, thank you, Erga, for the super sticker.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for, for lots of super chats. Too. We appreciate it. Uh, and so I'm going to finish. I'm going to wrap it up, okay? Take it home. Uh, press thumbs up. Uh, that helps everybody find this video. We appreciate everybody watching live. Uh, if you're watching live or as fact, please uh, hit thumbs up. If you're listening on, on a podcast app, please, please give us a nice review. Share this. Tell somebody, somebody about it. Knock on your uh, neighbor's door politely and, and tell them about it. Um, Jesse, what plugs do you have? I've made your, your logo
1: smaller so it's not stretched out. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can follow me at Jesse Collins at J E S S E C O L L I N G S on Twitter. Um, my podcast, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, uh, most recently, you can find that on YouTube. Um, I listened to it last night. You talked yes. to the man of the hour. Yes, I talked to CM Punk's favorite media member, Nick Hausman. It's a really really good podcast, especially because it touches on a lot of things that we've mentioned on the show, talking about the media scrums and kind of media conduct and these kind of things. Nick Hausman of WrestlingInc.com. He's been to every single one of the media scrums that AEW has had. He gives a lot of insight into kind of what his approach is, what it's like to kind of ask more difficult or challenging questions, um, some of the ups and downs of the conduct of the wrestling media, uh, kind of gives a lot of advice if you've never, if you're going to a scrum, and you've never been to one or anything like that. Kind of what you should be trying to do and what you should want to do. Um, I think it's a really interesting pod that people would like. Uh, that if they like this show, they'd listen to it. It's only about 35 minutes long, um, so that's right on YouTube. Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast.
0: You, you can also hear Jesse Collins
1: refer to wrestling because I, I was very pleased. High brow, high brow yeah do you think that sounds a little hoity-toity i just yeah i did describe wrestlenomics as a uh I, 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 I you know it's it's the podcast for the smartest wrestling fans around so i wanted to that's right if you're listening to, to this right now you are you are really smart you you yeah. are
3: you are in a very valuable demographic
1: yeah like if you're if you're in college or anything you can just drop out like
3: all you need is to listen to yeah. yeah. you need to get that to be a college course brandon you need to teach wrestlenomics
0: wrestling 101 you've been taking that course for for
3: a little over a year though <laughs> a little bit yeah yes yeah um all right so my plugs at uh, chris gallo uh, on all the social media outlets uh rediscovering the indies rti pod you can catch up on our dragon gate usa episodes over there rti pod on twitter instagram and rediscovering the indies on facebook uh i got bowtie mafia t-shirts that are available on pro wrestling tees and uh i'll be bring announcing this saturday in binghamton uh, we talked about binghamton uh, in binghamton uh for X.A. Wrestling, uh, Gangrel will be there, so it should be a fun show. It's
0: in Johnson City or Binghamton proper?
3: Johnson City, uh, yeah. It's uh, Nearby, in the mall. Yeah. The X, yeah. 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 Fortunately, you're a Bills fan, so you won't be.
1: Yeah, like well, when I, I I'll, full disclosure, I wasn't actually in Binghamton. I was in Festal, New York.
0: It's it's very, very close. <laughs> well, what What's the shirt that people should look for on, on your uh, Pro S&T's coming soon? <laughs>
3: um, what is it? I'm hurt, I'm old, I'm tired. I work with that I wish. I feel like they would get me on a cease and desist. No, I think. No,
1: I think you'd get away with that. <laughs> Some, I don't think you'd. You wouldn't want to get into a legal battle with CM Punk. I think that has oh, yeah. worked out poorly for members it, of independent wrestling.
0: It sounds like he's increasingly litigious. Um, you can go to Patreon.com/slashWrestleomics and get my TV ratings reports, access to the Wrestleomics future spreadsheet, slides to all podcasts, including this one, uh, the pro wrestling industry reports, the annual ones. Uh, we've been doing some bonus audio on Thursdays. I, I've just sort of said that we'll, we'll do a Who's a Draw. Uh, maybe that will be next Thursday's episode if there's not uh, not bigger news to, to tackle. Patreon.com slash Just $5 a month. What a deal. Um, that's all. We will um, talk to everybody next time. We thank you for your super chats. thank you for listening. Uh, see you next week. Bye.